0: All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. I'm so excited about this episode. This is not just the NBA, but the sports world's response to social justice. I have an amazing panel connected with these guys. Look next with me on all digital platforms, Instagram, Facebook. Anywhere you can find me, Twitter, just look me up. But I have an amazing panel. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. That's how All dynamic. I'm going to start uh, with former NBA player Terry Cummings. Then we'll go to attorney pal Tony Gill and then uh, the Bulls chaplain Scott Bradley. Terry, can you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Terry Cummings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Terry here. is the ambassador. Let me read his stats.
1: Yeah, I don't Over read 1,100
0: that. games played professionally. 16.4 points per game, 7 rebounds per game. Two assists. He shot field uh, field goal percentage of forty eight point four percent, which is really impressive. Uh, three point field goal percentage of twenty nine point five. Free throw seventy point six. ERA or now we go by PER eighteen. Just a dynamic, uh, just NBA player. Uh, I had to look at. I was like, wow, with those stats, you could make an All Star team now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. That considering the, the last seven or eight years of my career. I, I never averaged over 10 points. So those numbers are built up from the first 10 years. Um, But I truly did enjoy my career more the last seven, eight years.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Look, glad to be here. I'm glad you were able to jump on. I really appreciate this. Attorney Powell, if you can introduce yourself.
2: Good evening. I'm uh, Elliot Powell, attorney in in Chicago. And uh, I don't play anything. I uh, have uh, been a sports fan for a while. I've uh, been a friend of Terry Cummings for about 40 years of uh, this friend of Scott Bradley for, for about 40 years. Uh, and Tony Gill, you're not as old as that. So I haven't been your friend for 40 years and, uh, saw Cody grow up and, and, uh, I, I enter into a lot of political discourse and, uh, this kind of came to front and I mentioned it to Cody and Cody was all willing to go with it. So, uh, Thank you all for being here. Thank you for allowing me to be here.
0: Awesome. And the Reverend, the good Reverend, and the former
3: Bulls chaplain, Scott Bradley, if you can introduce yourself. God bless you. I'm Scott Bradley. I have served 37 years as the Chicago Bulls team chaplain. Uh, one of the distinct honors I had in that time, there were a lot of them, but one of the distinct honors I had was when the Chicago Bulls won their first championship in 1991. If you go back and get the old VCR, the old VHS tape, uh, when we won, and in the locker room we did the Lord's prayer, and I was one that was blessed to be in the center of the huddle doing the Lord's prayer with the team after our first championship. That was uh, 1991, first of six during the course of the 90s, and uh, been the Bulls' champion Just retired after this this season. 37 years with the team.
0: Awesome! Look, I saw you on the uh, MJ 10-part docuseries. series. How are you giving a little pound to MJ? That's a little nice little shout out, man. Uh, I can only imagine the stories that you have. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I think that was one of two cameos I had, and <laughs> none of them were intentional. I was just there.
0: <laughs> Jeez, geez. And then I have with me, amazing friend, look, uh, NBC Sports Chicago, right, broadcaster affiliate. This dude is rising to the ranks of the sports, uh, really just uh, probably becoming the new Stephen A. Smith. Is that the trajectory, Tony? Am
4: I, am I on it? <laughs> I'm, uh, I like to play uh, on camera and off the camera, more so off, off the camera. Um, but thanks for having me, Cody. Appreciate all the uh, the distinguished gentlemen on this uh, on this panel here. Um, Tony Gill from NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the Tony Gill on Twitter. Um, and I'm just glad to be here.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
4: Well, let's get down to it. So first question, and I
0: want to start with you, Terry, because, uh, you know, as a former uh, NBA player. Right. I kind of saw what the Bucks did after the shooting of Jacob Blake uh really boycotting decided not to play um what was your initial thought so uh, a two-part question a what was your initial thought and then b if you were back right in your heyday you're playing now would you have done the same thing
1: and we'll start with you my initial thoughts were i mean just kind of caught me off guard but it's really kind of indicative of uh the time that we're living in now where they're more abreast to uh, issues and things and they take more form and and action uh, than we did. I think that uh, our group in the eighties and nineties we were just like our fathers before us in many ways, we just went to work. You know, we went to work. We, we involved ourselves in the civil and social issues in our, in our particular cities. Most of us did Uh, not all of us, but it was not as uh, extreme as, Um, you know, walking out um, and walking off the job. Um, Although I think in this climate, it works because I think in this climate, uh, this generation has the benefits of some things that we did not have. And because we paved that road and laid that foundation, they can do these things. But we didn't even know we had the ability to do some of the basic things that they do, the players do in this generation. So all in all, I think, Uh, It was it was a decision that needed to be made because I think we we've always uh, there's enough of us on the line that can uh, uh, equate to this. We've always prayed. We've always marched. What we haven't always done is the by any means necessary. And whereas most people uh, inflict in their thought to go to the furthest end of by any means necessary, the beginning of it is cutting off the head of the snake. If you if you cut them where it hurt them, they pay attention. And I think that it's precisely what uh, what happened not only with Milwaukee but with the other teams in sports that stepped out as well, because this is no longer a black issue; it's a social issue. Period.
0: Hmm. hmm. Social issue, uh, Reverend Bradley. I'm tied to you, and then uh, to Attorney Powell. Uh, you were the Bulls chaplain for over 37 years, right? You have you actually have the six championship rings, <laughs> right? So, like being in the mix with those guys and those. Um, uh, personalities let's say if you could bring that team to today would that 90s bulls team do something similar or or as terry mentioned we didn't even know we had those options would you just kind of
3: think that they would just go as business as usual well you know interesting in the, the those championship runs we had a high profile preach up uh, fella by the name of craig hodges uh who was very demonstrative oh, man, in his ring pride uh, and it 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 seemed to backfire on him. He he probably what was the the Colin Kaepernick, Kaepernick of his day, uh, and of course you even go back further when you have guys like uh, Muhammad Ali and other sports figures that would that would step out and make a statement by boycotting. Uh, in the case of Muhammad Ali, he refused to go to Vietnam. Uh, in the case of Craig Hodges, Craig Hodges actually spoke out. Well, actually he went when the Bulls won their first championship. He went to the White House uh, wearing a dashiki. And and uh, sent a letter to President Bush, uh, who was the president at the time, uh, Senior Bush, George George H. Bush. He was the president at the time. Uh, gave him a letter. Uh, the kickback on that was was uh, you know even it, the kickback on it. it, it the, the rumor is it got him blackballed, and I, I, I personally believe that's what happened because I remember after that talking with Cassie Russell, who at the time was a coach with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, and I was talking to him about that. And he said, you know, he's going to tell you something. He said when Craig Hodges' name came over the waiver wire. Uh, I talked to my people about, let's get Craig Hodges. He was a man who was a three-point champion, I believe, three years in a row, uh, who was a specialist from three points. Uh, and again, very demonstrative in his race pride. Uh, he not only wore Doc Sheiky to the White House, I had seen him come to the game wearing Doc Shiki's and the, the Kufi, uh, you know, expressing his, his race pride. Uh, but as I was talking with Cassie Russell, he said, you know, he said his name came over the waiver wire. And uh, we went to uh, uh, and quite a lot of people said, so Let's get Craig Hodges. And the guy said, No, no, bad news. That's what he said. So, so he it, it, it gave him a stigma, uh, you know, and I also understand the first game of the NBA championship, he went to uh, uh Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, two of the biggest stars at that time, and asked them to boycott the first game. This was after the Rodney King beating in Los Angeles or in California, wherever that was. Uh, and of course, they refused to do it, but but I will say that I saw a change in climate. Uh, in recent years when it came to race uh, relations among the players. But as Terry said, you know, it was a different era then. Uh, some of them were afraid to speak out. You had a few that did. And usually the repercussions were that their careers were over. We see it in the case of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, we saw it in the case of Craig Hodges. And how long did Muhammad Ali have to sit out before he was able to go back and fight because he made a stand? But I think in this day and time, you're going to see more. And I'm glad to see more men, not just men, but teams, and not just black players, Uh, But white players uh, and other uh, uh, groups participating in as well, because they see the importance of now things have got to change. I say this, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember the civil rights era. I'm old enough to remember Dr. King and and uh, Malcolm X. Although I don't really remember him, but I do remember Dr. King quite well. And one of the things I've always said about the civil rights movement in the '60s is that uh, there was an appealing by the nonviolent uh, movement to appeal to the conscience of many white people. The problem was a lot of those white folk, particularly in the South, didn't have no conscience. But what I'm seeing now, when I see the Black Lives Movement, when I see the protests, I don't just just see black folk, but I see lots of white people. And so it appears as though the attitude of people has changed. And I think that it can bring change if it continues to be done in the right perspective and the right ways.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Attorney Powell, are there any legal ramifications for this? Let's say, uh, you know, Milwaukee Bucks protested. They ended up resuming uh, the next following week. I know the Lakers play tomorrow, but let's say one of their vendors that was supposed to be spotlighted or highlighted uh, all of a sudden was not allowed to demo one of their products. Right. And they paid for this space. Is there any legal ramifications? Because there'd be a potential lawsuit that we're not seeing here.
2: Uh, there might be, but we don't know. Uh, the only thing you can really know for sure. Is editor, uh, takes it to court and see what the court says about it. You know, there's, uh, I think Terry said it right. And as much as the players back then didn't know they had the power, uh, every so often you did have somebody who came out and spoke to certain issues Um, I don't know if if Scott remembers the baseball player Kurt Flood. Uh, Kurt Flood played with the uh St. Louis Cardinals, he used to be traded to the Philadelphia Phillies, and he had associated it with slavery. And so he said he had a under the amendment to be traded. Um, you know, so some of this is, is testing now. Situation did go before the United States Supreme Court. And the court said he did not have a right to say he would not go and play only because uh, this was not truly employment. It was a national pastime. That's why baseball is one of the areas that still to this day is considered a pastime. Uh, basketball players don't have a pastime. This is a real job, and 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 so you know with football and all that stuff as well. As far as whether a vendor would be successful in a lawsuit, that stands, you know, that has not been court tested yet. So they'd have to go into court and see if if they have that ability, um, you know. And who knows? There may be somebody that's putting some kind of class action suit together you know, at this time for, for something like that, but I can't say whether it would be or not.
1: And and I might add to this is that uh, because they're in the bubble, you don't have as many vendors anyway. It may be more advertisers uh, and people who are doing marketing type things on the, uh, that would have gained their, uh, their in the income by virtue of, of it having been viewed by the television audiences, but because they were not there, uh, they could, they have an argument. You know, but I'm sure the NBA is doing some kickback because it ain't a fool, it ain't trying to lose no money at all or get or, or allow that. That, uh, it's uh, its overall title to be taken from it as the best in sports, right?
0: Awesome, right. awesome. Tony. I want to listen to you, and in then Terry, I have a, a follow up question. Uh, Tony, so you work, you know, obviously, you have to have relationships with the professional athletes, right? Has this, uh, not just the social justice, but the whole pandemic, has it created a strain or disconnect? Because like you mentioned before, you know, we went live. For you to go down to the bubble, it would cost uh, NBC Sports Chicago about $600 per day, right? So has it created an adversarial relationship between you and the players?
4: Uh, No. In terms of uh, sports coverage, what uh, I do know from speaking with uh, people that are in the bubble and, um, they haven't, you know, received, you know, any kick, uh, any kind of distortion between their coverage. Um, in fact, they're receiving more coverage, uh, more than ever, because they're the only source and the only connecting, uh, period to the fan, uh, at this point, uh, there are no, um, you know, there might be a couple local, uh, beat people, but, um, in terms of national coverage, uh, it's the only way that fans can connect uh, with the players and what's going on on a day-to-day basis, uh, based on uh, all the teams that are there. So uh, right now, it's it's as important as ever that um, that media people are allowed to do their jobs and do their jobs in a uh, correct fashion. Obviously, things have changed now. Uh, more Zoom conference calls and Zoom conference meetings, stuff you know, stuff like this, um, where players have to you know go to. Know room, sit down, and actually speak to uh, the media. Um, and that's across the board, that's across all sports. And obviously, we're talking about specific basketball right now. Um, but that baseball, football, MLS is still going on. Um, all hockey is still going on. Uh, every league has adjusted to uh, what's going on, uh, due to the uh, pandemic right now. Um, and uh, just to bring it back home and tie it into what we were, uh, what we're all just, just talking about. Um, this All of that stuff that's going on in the real world, it that's still right. affects the people that are in the bubble. Um, and they are using their platforms. Uh, a lot of them, I'm not going to say all of them, uh, a lot of them are using their platforms correctly, uh, even in this period of not really being able to connect with right. the media that they're used to. Um, they're still using their platforms. They're still used to, to speak out and say things. Um, with the Milwaukee Bucks, they, they refused to, to play. And they didn't just hide in the corner. Um, I actually wrote a piece about this on MBC Sports Chicago about them getting on the phone with the family of Jacob Blake and getting on the phone with legislators in uh, the Wisconsin area to actually get some tangible bill in place that people don't seem to uh, know about and are talking enough about that they got a, a bill sent to the governor during their phone call uh, while they were sitting out uh, against their playoff game against the Magic. Oh, wow. Um, and obviously um, we have to follow up on what's going on now. Out and uh and what they're doing uh, legally uh the last i've heard um it's been pushed back that vote uh the majority uh republican house uh, they don't want anything to do with that bill um but we have to keep the pressure on it, and that's what the milwaukee bucks are doing is constantly using their platform using their connection to the local media that's in the bubble um to speak out on what's going on and using it the correct way
0: awesome awesome terry Well, we're talking about using that platform. Can you explain uh, to us, uh, as a professional athlete, like, I don't know, right? We don't understand the pressure that a professional athlete has because they're not, they just can't be themselves, right? Even though we like to believe that, you know, they have a job to do. And sometimes because of the salary that they make, people, I think, take them for granted. But they have an enormous amount of pressure, not just and ability to provide but they're a brand ambassador for, for so many different entities right can you explain to just the audience what that pressure is like and then when you have to deal with this other extremity this other social justice or, or and or pandemic how that adds another layer to it
1: uh, well first of all uh me and me and uh again back to what uh um uh, Pastor Bradley was saying about Craig Hodges. Me and Craig Hodges have known each other for years. Uh, he came out of uh, Chicago Heights, Illinois, and I grew up in Chicago. And uh, we played together in San Diego. We were traded together to Milwaukee where we played together for five years. And um, the thing about it is he, he was a Muslim. He was a practicing Muslim. And, um, he and I would sit down and have the greatest conversations. Uh, and it was not about trying to convert him or him to convert me. It was trying to get a be- gain a better understanding. Uh, the thing is, is that, uh, with Hodge, Hodge always had a mindset about just saying what he felt and it wasn't always taken right. Cause a lot of times it's not about what you say, it's about how you say it, you know, without compromising the message. Um, The other the other part to to answer the uh, the the question, uh, the thing about being a professional athlete is is very difficult for you if you think you can go in and separate your culture from your profession. If you go in there thinking that because I'm black, I can't say certain things because the majority of the people I'm dealing with are Caucasian, then you've missed the whole point of being there. The whole point of leaving our communities from the day we left our communities, we were a gem. We are gems that were taken out of our environment, brought to other environments, shown the world, shown how everything works. That's our responsibility to go back and report to those communities how things are going on the outside, because most people never get an opportunity to leave their neighborhoods. Now, every one of us on here, um Every every man on this on this call right now, we have probably ventured outside our neighborhood, outside of our city, our state, our countries, more than the average person in the community we left will ever leave their neighborhood. And um, and we have a responsibility to go back. And that's the difficulty for a lot of the cats that played even in my era, is they didn't know how to leave some of that stuff behind when you were going to get educated on how the real world was happening and then bring back what you learned. Didn't mean you had to live in the city. It didn't mean you had to, you know, buy a house in the same old neighborhood, but you needed to come back because what, what was taken from that community, which is you, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, is missed in that community. It was placed there. If, if I may say by God assignment. And so by God assignment, it has to be replaced. And that's how we teach and train. But I think that Difficulty for most athletes is separating who they are from what they do. And and I hope that it answers the question because I played with I played in three decades. I played in the 80s. I played in the 90s and in the 2000s. I retired in 2000, but I watched gradually as the young cats came in and. Um, they just came in not really understanding how the business of the game was. They knew how to play basketball but didn't understand uh the business of the game or the professionalism that should go with the game. And you can't understand the professionalism if you don't know who you are. You have to come in there with some kind of maturity. And we were getting a lot of high school kids or kids who were one or first uh year or second year player out of college and didn't have enough educational real life experiences to be in that in that pit of the, the NBA, because it, I mean, it's a business. And and um, I think the diff- the difficulty is, is think about it uh, for all of us again. Uh, if it had not been for the fact of having had the experience of staying in something long enough to learn it, we would be as ignorant to the business of the game and the business of life as most newcomers who are coming in. Hmm.
0: You know? that, that was well said. That made me, um, uh, really had to think. I want to throw this one to uh Pastor Bradley. Um, Terry mentioned the business aspect of it, understanding the business of the game, and then having to understand that and yet still stay true to your identity. For you, uh, Pastor Bradley, talk to us about that business. You mentioned, you know, how you've seen the, the Bulls organizations evolve, you've seen the business aspect of it. Uh all the way from you, you talked about the, the early 80s, the, the late 70s, the artist Gilmore, all the way up to uh, trading Scottie Pippen for Brent Berry, right, <laughs> to, to, to drafting uh, uh, Jason Williams and then the infamous motorcycle accident, right? Like you've seen the business of it. How do you take the business of sports? And yet you being a, a, a man of God, a person of faith, and mirror that. And as a black man, the identity and try to build cohesion between two of the, or three different worlds.
3: Well, you know, one of the things I would do in chapel, and again, I wouldn't do this every time, but every now and then I would, would give word of caution, particularly to our young guys. who would come in uh, the importance of knowing how to deal with money. Uh, because in many cases, some of these guys, as Terry had mentioned, uh, had, had come into the league uh, and they came from almost nothing. They, they, they got a scholarship to play. Uh, they didn't learn, uh, you know the financial aspect uh, i'm trying to think of the fellow up hand uh, and I can't think of his name I don't even know if he was in basketball. I think he might have been in another sport Who went broke and signed a million dollars and of course million dollars was a lot of time, money at that time Still a lot of money to me, but now these guys signed multi-million dollar contracts, but this particular fella had gone broke Oh, I remember him now. In fact, charles barkley talked about and I won't mention the guy's name But I do remember his name but but charles barkley told a story uh of a fella who played with him in philadelphia And he said, one night the guy was giving me a ride home after the game, and he had this beautiful Ferrari. And uh, Charles said, man, this is a nice car. I really like this car. And the guy laughed and said, how much do you think this car costs? And Charles threw a figure out there, and the guy kind of chuckled and said, man, I I sniffed that up my nose in a day's time. Uh, He said later when he got traded to Phoenix, Phoenix had come back to Philadelphia to play, and this guy stopped him in the the lobby of the hotel and said, uh, hey, Charles, don't you remember me? He looked, he said he couldn't remember. He said, I'm so-and-so. By this time, the guy was broke, again, signed a million-dollar contract, was broke, was homeless, and hung out at the hotel just to see the players as they came in. A lot of times, the sad thing is that, that many guys are not educated on how to deal with their finance. It, and, and I think uh, that it's, it's important. I think some of the teams are not doing this. I, I believe some of the team, I think the Bulls might have been one of them, which were giving counseling sessions to new guys that come in, uh, financial counselors, how not to just blow your money. I mean, you've never had it. You get a million dollars. Your it's going to last forever. It can go pretty fast after you spent money on cars and houses and condos and all your friends and your posse and all that kind of stuff. You look up, you're broke. Uh, but, you know, again, sometimes it's, it, it's like what, what, what Terry was saying, that a lot of time guys are not educated. They're not educated as to the world that you're coming into. You know, you're coming into a different world. It's, 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 a, it's a long way from the west side of Chicago. To the NBA, staying in the best of hotels, uh, the the the, the best of, of of travel, uh the best of food per diem. I think at one time when I when I was the last like $125 a day per diem. That's money for uh meal money, basically. You know, I mean all of these things are new, and and I remember even Horse Grant. Horse Grant was a good friend of mine, was a member of my chapel, uh faithful member of my chapel when he was a player. And uh, Horace Grant had made mention of how when he came into the NBA, he said, I felt like a kid in a candy store. All I had to do was just grab, just grab, whatever I wanted, just grab. And the lifestyle was so much different than a, 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 a fella coming from, I think it was uh, South Carolina, wherever he came from. It's a different lifestyle. And so in many cases, guys are not prepared. Uh, and, and again, uh, the, the discipline of the game, the business aspect of the game. Uh, I remember uh, when the when the word went out, From the then commissioner, the late uh uh, Stern, David Stern. Because guys were coming to the games if they weren't playing, they'd come and sit on the bench in sweatsuits and and shorts and all that kind of thing. And the word went out: this is a business, this is a profession. If you're not playing, we require at least a sport coat. I would have said suit and tie myself, but at least a sport coat. Look professional. There's a professional side to this, and you know, some guys they only know how to play ball, but they don't understand the professionalism of it. One of the things I tried to do, and again, not every chapel session, sometimes caution them, you're in a different world, but just as fast as you come here, you can be gone. So invest your money wisely. You know, you don't have to have a long, big posse, you know, making a statement. Invest wisely so that when you finish this game, because in professional sports, the average span of a professional sports player is only like four years. You know, a lot of things can take you out, you know, injury, uh, you know, Paternity suits, right? Uh, can get you know, and and for you know, you look up and you 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 got another professional player. I ain't gonna mention the name, but you know, he had like nine kids by, yeah. by seven different. Women. You know, again, I don't need to mention his name, but I mean, again, all these you <laughs> got to take all these kids. So I mean, I think it's important that that uh, teens invest in counseling for these young men and and realize they're not just property, they're not just ball players. They are young men. In many cases, kids you know, 18, 19, 20 years old to properly uh, invest in the future, because this ain't going to last always, you know, it won't last always. Some may be blessed afterwards to go into broadcasting or go into coaching, but most of them are just out, you know, so it's important that, that these things are done uh, in, you know, their, their time there in, in the NBA. And I again, as, as a chaplain, as a minister, I would sometime uh, put this in my, my, my presentations. You know, I'm oftentimes preaching about what should let profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul. Uh, again, I would put that in there. Uh, so I think that those things are important. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we talking about those hard conversations,
0: attorney Paul, um, how, and it, and I think it really stems back to parenting, upbringing, right? When we're talking about having that talk with these, these men, how do you go about having that conversation, right? Uh, and especially, you know, like it's different when it's, you know, your son and, you know, you have that proximity and obviously, uh, but when it's not your son, right, how do you establish that type of rapport so that they're able to receive information from you and then instruct them in that way? I know you've been in contact with Attorney Powell. You, you, you're you closely associated with Roger Powell, right? Um You know, you, you, I I know when you brought him and it was uh, Luther Head uh, to Freedom Temple, right? How do you get them in a corner and say, hey, look, you have the option to do great things or do terrible things? Choose wisely.
2: I think that for like the ones that you mentioned and some that you may not name, you have to see what these people want for their futures. And that's the whole thing is that all of these players, they're going to play ball for a while, but they're going to have a future that is either going to be a successful one or not a successful one. Uh, You mentioned, uh, I think Cody, you mentioned Jason Williams. Uh, Who would have fought? Mm. I remember, you know, he had a very lucrative contract. And who would have thought that a motorcycle accident would have put him on the sideline? Now, I don't know what he's doing today, but he's not playing basketball. So, you know, hopefully he did. Maybe he went back to school or something like that. But you have to see if these guys can understand that basketball, baseball, football, whatever it is, is a small segment of your life. And the majority of your life is going to be done doing something else. So, you know, have a vision, have a goal. Scripture does say where there is no vision, people perish. So you don't want to perish. Have something that you want to have lined up, you know, in the future. If I uh, can just say one thing, uh, I've never really been a big LeBron James sports fan. In fact, most of the teams that... uh, uh, that I've rooted for have been teams that he doesn't play for, and uh, you know he made me. The time when uh, the Chicago Cubs were uh, going for the World Series, and he was in Cleveland, and of course yeah. he was up in the skybox for the Cleveland Indians. Well, Scott Bradley, That's you right. can understand why feel, you know, yeah. coming from Chicago, I want root for the Cleveland Indians. But one thing that I do say about him that I think expresses uh, the wisdom that he's exhibited. When he came uh, into his first contract, I believe it was, he said, you know, this is a lot of money, but I need it with someone to whom this money is like chump change. Who can I link up with who would consider the money that I'm getting like nothing? So who did he link up with? He linked up with uh, Warren Buffett. Right. I would have known, but LeBron James and Warren Buffett developed a very good friendship. And, in fact, on one of the um, uh, television interviews that Warren Buffett did, they said, well, what did you tell LeBron? He said, well, I told him, first of all, stay with credit cards. He said, <laughs> you need one, but try to limit it down to one. Don't have ten. Uh, And there were just some other bits of advice that he said he would have given to anybody, but that, you know, when you look at him, you know, you kind of see where, where his next career is. Uh, One of the uh, shows I like is is on NBC called the wall. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it. You went over on the wall and it's uh, but, and it's a real exciting kind of game show. But that's produced by LeBron James's company, so right. apparently that's what he's going to do after basketball is all over. So you try to understand, or you try to get people to understand. Look, this is going to be a segment of your life. After this segment of your life is over, what is it that you want to do? You know, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about this. I'm, I'm 62 years old. I'll be 63 on my next birthday, mm. uh, if the Lord lets me see next March. Okay, I'm. I'm not. I've been practicing law for a long time. What's the next segment going to look like? You know, so you try to understand that. uh You know, one of my favorite scriptures is from Ecclesiastes, the third chapter: "To everything there is a season, right. and a mm-hmm. time for every purpose under heaven." Uh, you know, my season of practice is going to be over sometime soon, but that doesn't mean my life is over. The, the, for the players, their season to play is going to be over, but that doesn't mean their life is over. So what does your next season look like? So I think that's one of the things that that talk, if if you were Cody, uh, you know, revolves around.
0: Awesome. no, That makes a lot of sense. Tony, I want to hit you with this. We have a... Uh, comment from my audience 24 is Kobe fans. These, these Kobe fans are just love trolling me. Anyways, I'm a huge LeBron James uh, fan, by the way. If anybody ever knows, you know, I think he's the GOAT personally. But, Tony, so you uh, have. I didn't the, mean to
1: disagree. You're mine.
0: You're, by, you're by, I hear it every day. I, I have a bunch of Kobe fans and a bunch of Michael Jordan fans, and I hear it every day. So, Tony, you work um, in the media in the media aspect, right? You have literally a direct connection between the fan and the player, and you're kind of this intermediary, probably hence the word media. Um, Is there pressure not to write certain things? If, you know, let's say you uh, wanted to cover, you know, a controversial comment by Herschel Walker, uh, who goes on the RNC uh, convention and states that number forty five is not a racist. He invited me to Disney World. You know, I don't. You know, <laughs> hey, that's a direct quote, right? He, I watched it. I watched Herschel Walker say it. And I don't have anything against. I thought he was a fantastic running back. Uh, but if NBC or not, it doesn't have to be NBC. But anybody you're affiliated with says, you know, hey Tony, a hey, you know, kind of calm down, cover more, you know, great stories like um, I don't know, most improved player of the year. Um, Giannis, I don't, you know, or or something that is a bit more palpable, right? We got to be mindful of our constituency. Is there pressure? Because you have a job to do, right? You have bills, you have your own life. Uh, is there conversations like that? I mean, can you give us some insight into the media world?
4: Um, Yeah, but uh, I think uh, our current president kind of ended all, all of that um, uh, a while ago um that, that there was a there was a saying you know going around earlier um probably the at the point of colin kaepernick uh with Victor sports where uh media entities uh across the united states um because this is it's strictly if you think about it it's only a, a u.s problem um other media outlets across the world they can cover you know anything political that has direct influence on their sport um, in America, it was different for, you know, for a few years. Um, I remember specifically um, when I was, uh, before I started working at NBC, I was working at another company, um, a, a, a host was let go because he was speaking on, you know, police brutality uh, in its relation to what Colin Kaepernick was speaking out on. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of pressure for companies uh, not to be called out by uh, a, a small, remember, small but loud group. They're, they're small so they're not, you know, impacting much. They're just really, really loud. Um, and companies were scared uh, of, of that point. And uh, as a as a black man wanting to speak out, it was hard. It was difficult. Like you said, uh, I was young in the, uh, when this started to kind of gather momentum. I was really young in the business. Um, I, I you know I didn't want to push any any buttons, but um, you still want to make a make a statement. And uh, Terry mentioned before is not. You know, sometimes it's not you know what you say is how you say it. So finding the correct way to say it, but still get get the point across um, in a in a palatable way, was the constant thing that's on uh, a media member's mind when they are when that when they are from these communities um, and they see uh, the poor and dis- disenfranchisement of them, and they do want to speak out on them. Um, and now it's easy now. Um, it, well, it's easier. To do it now. Yeah. Um, and, and we see it because there are people from other communities are now speaking on it because now it's kosher. But I remember just a few years ago where it wasn't so kosher to speak on these things. People were losing jobs. People were losing uh, promotions or or, or or being viewed differently uh, because of their outspokenness on, on these issues. And not particularly because they were saying anything wrong. It's just because big major media companies, they got really, really scared Uh, At one point, I mean, it was the NFL, for example, they were scared of getting called out by by Trump. Um, That was that was a thing. (laughs) You didn't want to be in a Trump speech to rile up his uh, his constituents. Um, But now people have seen the the, the wrong. And and again, people have said it many, many times way before me. uh, Racism and police brutality hasn't gone away. It's just on camera now. So now people are getting to see all these things firsthand through their phones, through their computers, uh, through news. Uh, and now it, it, people are really starting to get the picture. Um, and hopefully things can continue to change. But uh, you're, you're right, Cody, in, in the media, um, it, it was hard for, for a little while. But now it's it's easier uh, because things are, are now cross-contaminating itself into politics, as, as, as people like to say now. Um, but it it certainly has become easier to, to speak out on these things now.
0: Awesome. Look, last question. I just, Oh, you got to say something.
1: Yeah. I just wanted to add something to, again, something Scott was saying too, but, um, in pertinence to uh, Herschel Walker, what we should never forget as celebrities, whether we're in sports law, um, entertainment, media, whatever it is, is that your celebrity offers you, uh, um, opportunities that the common man doesn't have even after you no longer do what you do so when you open your mouth you're not opening your mouth as a common man or woman you're opening your mouth as a celebrity in the eyes of those who surround you so when herschel talks about uh the president the president doesn't see herschel uh the way we see him as a black man he sees him as a a celebrity And remember the scripture, the proverbial writer says that a man's gift makes room for him before great men. You know, when your gift gets you in front of these people, that is an opportunity and wisdom, you know, um, to to be able to speak with clarity, you know, the direction of what's going on in your society. But if you're not touched with that society, you can only give them a celebrity perspective.
0: That makes sense. Last question. I want to ask this to all of you, Terry. If uh when all this started, I remember the uh, Colin Kaepernick. I remember the taking the knee. I remember the backlash. I remember the socks. I remember all the NFL owners turning their back on him. And literally there's no reason why he shouldn't be in the NFL today. Especially when I look at um, even the Bears starting quarterback, right? Mr. Trubis, you can't tell me that Kaepernick can't beat him right now. So uh, if Kellyanne Conway watches this segment and says, Terry Cummings, Shut up and dribble. What does that mean to you as a professional athlete, as a black man?
1: Well, well first of all, people like that, I've, I've run into them all my life and career, you know, because if you are halfway intelligent as an African-American or a black person, uh, they don't really know what to do with you. If you're aware of your cultural background and your history, they don't know what to do with you. So I ignore ignorant people and I deal with them on the level of what I do know. And I talk to them on that basic that basic level. If, if uh, we can't have a reasonable conversation, I tend not to have one with people because I think it's foolishness to sit up and argue over something that going in, you know, someone doesn't believe in. So why have the conversation? Talk about apples and oranges instead because it's it's of more relevance than the conversation you're going to have with this person in the Kellyanne type. Um, it's more about publicity and being on camera. I'm not, you know, I'm not seeking no fame, you know, in my life, where I am and what I do, I do for the God I serve, and I have always done it that way. I've always made it a heart set mindset to do it for Him. That way, I would never get it misconstrued about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So, if I to answer your question uh, with clarity, um, if I was confronted with that, with Kellyanne or or the the other Fox anchor who brought who said the the thing to uh, uh, LeBron. Yeah, I wouldn't even give her the benefit of the doubt because I think your integrity is worth more than sharing it with someone who's ignorant.
0: Well said. Well said. Attorney pal, Kellyanne Conway watches this and says, you Kojic preacher and attorney. I don't know if shut up and dribble would be probably the phrase, but <laughs> shut up and uh, I don't know, be legal and preach. I don't, you, know, I don't, you know, what, what would be your response to that? Hold on. I think you're on mute. I got
2: you. Okay. Well, I would, you know, okay, all right. I think if it were Kellyanne Conway, I think that I would have to pray hard and ask her to, you know, to get with her husband, Mr. George Conway, and for them to get their act together as they're raising their children, although I don't want to bring anybody's children into anything, but it's public notice now that she left Job George left his job to take care of issues at home. And anybody can have that to happen. Mm -hmm. Anybody can have issues at home that they need to have happen. Uh, As you alluded to, Cody, I do have some uh, right-wing conservative Republican folks I know who, when I came out on Facebook and uh, applauded the Milwaukee Bucks for what they did, they responded back, said, oh, they should just shut up and play ball and that's all. And you know that is so short-sighted. And uh, you know, as Terry said, you're going to deal with those type of short-sighted individuals. You can't do anything about that. So you just have to, you know, do what you do. I I am very I was uh, very proud of what the the uh, 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 bus did, along with the other NBA and the WNBA and Major League Baseball. Um, I I just hope and that their stand that was taken, you know, now that the games have started back, that they weren't they're they're not viewed as uh, having caved in too soon or anything like that. I pray that they're able to, uh, as Terry said, use their celebrity for something that is beneficial to, you know, to the nation and to to other folks. But yeah, you're going to run into those types of people. I, you know, uh, I don't know Kellyanne Conway personally, but I know those types because some of them, you know, have uh, chimed in on some of my Facebook posts. But uh, you know, you can't you can't help everybody. Can't help everybody.
0: That's it. Can't help everybody. Pastor Bradley, yes, Kellyanne
2: Conway watches this. Says, mm-hmm. you know what?
0: I didn't even like the Bulls. You should have been a chaplain for the New York Knicks. Uh, by the way, how did Steve Nash get that job today? But anyway, yeah. Brooklyn I don't, I don't understand. But anyway, I won't go down there. That should have been Mark Jackson's role. I'm gonna call that out on another episode because that's kind of white privilege. But it says Scott Bradley, go back to being a chaplain. Shut up and and chat. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But shut up and be a chaplain. What would be your response to that?
3: You know, I have a, I, I've thought about that situation and and that quote to tell LeBron to shut up and dribble, and I said in my mind, you know what he ought to do. Now, again, I had no access to him to tell him that, but tell him what my advice was. But here's a young man who has uh, invested in his community. He's invested uh, his money and, and is setting school for education, uh, free tuition, free lunch, uh, 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 scholarships, all of these type of things. I think, and you know, this is the way I think, I think that at the dedication of the school, I would have had a plaque put up and invited that Fox host to come and dedicate the plaque to make us see how foolish she was to make such a statement. What if this man had just shut up and dribbled? What if this man had just figured, I I don't want to upset nobody and I'm just going to play ball? It was interesting. Uh, I look at Doc Rivers, the the statement he made after uh, the the shooting of uh, uh, Jacob Blake. Uh, and I guess I'm kind of partial to the Rivers family because we grew up together. I've known that whole family uh, since we were kids growing up in what I knew the father, the mother, the father was, in fact, a policeman well-known in the community. Uh, I, I was in school with his brother, Grady. We're about the same age. Uh, but I look at the powerful statement that this man made. Now, here's a man who is an NBA coach, a successful NBA coach, a championship NBA coach. What if he had just not said anything? And even as as Terry said, and I think uh, uh, Elliot alluded to it, that because these individuals are high profile, these are the ones that should speak out. Uh, I I remember when when Muhammad Ali spoke out again, I'm old enough to remember Muhammad Ali, and when he spoke out and refused to be drafted, and there were those, even in the black community, that said that he made a lot of money at the hands of people he should just basically shut up and box. And they didn't say that, but that's basically what they meant. But it's because that these individuals are high profile, they have a voice and a platform that your average person does not have. Uh, how many people uh, have looked at the Rodney King video? How many people have seen the, or the, the the young man who was shot reaching for his license or the other fella who was choked to dust saying, I can't breathe? How many people have saw that and spoke out against it, but they don't have the platform? But... Here is a man, LeBron James, and, and you know, the argument can be made whether he's the goat or not, you have to understand that there are great men of different eras. I remember Julius Irving and, as far as I'm concerned, now the baddest dude I ever saw. Then of course came Michael Jordan, then of course came others. But my point is this, and when in fact the Lord has given us a platform, I think that we should use that platform. And, and there are those that may say, you're making a lot of money, just make that money and shut up. But to shut up and dribble, means that an opportunity that is, would benefit many people in particular in your community and quite possibly even change the world, you squander it because you won't say anything, because you just want to play this game. Uh, I admire LeBron James. Uh and, and and again my mindset was just as a reminder, I'm gonna put up a plaque in the school that says shut up and dribble. And come on here, Miss Miss whatever your name is, I want you to dedicate the plaque. You know, that's what I would have done again. That's my train of thought on that. You know, so you can see. That there's more to this thing than just dribbling. There's more to this thing than playing ball. I have a platform, I've been blessed, but I also have a voice. And I think it's important that men like LeBron James, men like Doc Rivers, uh, and others, uh, you mentioned Kurt Flood earlier, Elliot, I do remember that's a situation, to speak up and to use your voice because your voice and attitude, backed by the actions of, of LeBron James, would make an impact and change the lives of people, and who knows, in the long run, could change the entire community.
0: Awesome, awesome.
3: Tony, Kellyanne Conway,
0: or any of the the hard right-wingers, Donald Trump sends you a tweet. It says, you know what? I used to like NBC Sports Chicago. I was a fan. It was a rising young man. But after this, I'm not a fan anymore. Says to shut up and, and, you know, do media stuff, right? (laughs) What, what would be your thoughts if you received some type of backlash uh, like that?
4: Um, it, I mean, it's not like uh, it comes just from, you know, just a, a person on television. If, you know, on Twitter, it happens all the time. Uh, Elder Powell said, you know, said it, people comment all, all crazy stuff all the time on people's posts and hey, just stick to do what you're doing or um, some version of stuff. Of shut up and dribble but just in different in different forms but it all it obviously means the same thing um and and we get that every day every time people get uncomfortable about something um and i, I think it's good that they're uncomfortable they should feel uncomfortable because they know that means something is wrong um or you're delusional either either one or the other uh, so when, when when people want to um Use the word. Uh, don't put politics in. This is where I used to get my escape, and I just want to get distracted for a couple hours. And like, yeah, it's it, it's excuses uh, to me. Um, yeah, I, you can do two things at once. You know, you're an adult. You can <laughs> you can multitask uh, on things. Uh, and and I think that was the the big thing uh what, what uh, Milwaukee did by saying, no, you're not going to use us as a distraction. Or a continual money maker, you know, at least for the next couple games, right. while there's serious stuff going on in the real world that's affecting our families and our communities. Mm-hmm. They had a player on their team that was a victim of police brutality, so this this really hit home for them. On top of that, uh, Jacob Blake being from their home state, uh, so when it, I, I tweeted out a couple of days ago uh, that the the stick to sports mantra, you know, is dead forever you Know for me, I mean, it, it's for, forever there to me. Uh, one because Trump continues like to dabble in sports because you know it, get, it gets his constituents riled up. Um, and he t- constantly tweets that he wants football back. All right, now he wants to talk about sports. I get to talk about uh what he is doing, um, in terms of uh, holding a progression back. I that's our lane now, and 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 again, like I said before that um, even though in years past the media has been hindered a little bit on talking these subjects, now the window is wide open to, to speak out on these things. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. And I think uh, a, a lot of big entities and a lot of uh, large companies and, and teams and platforms, they don't want to be on the wrong side of this. So they're allowing a lot of people, a lot of black voices to be elevated uh, to speak on these issues and allowing players to speak their minds and speak on, on these issues because, again, it, people are writing this stuff down. We're going to remember 2020 forever. And 2020 is going to be a, a point year uh, in the world's history, uh, not only American history. And when we tell that story again, do you want to be that major company, that major entity that sided wrong on this? And I think just purely based on the money that they could potentially use, uh, lose being on the wrong side of this, I think uh, companies are, are really uh, being careful on, on what they do and how they go about these things. Uh, so um, you can, you can tell me to show up and, you know, do my job, but I think that stick to the mantra is dead.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Look, I want to just thank my guests again, Terry, Tony, Scott, Elliot, you guys have been fantastic. Where can they connect with you? I'll start with you, Terry. What are you doing? Where can the people connect with you?
1: Um, uh, Website is H-E-M-I dot church. Uh, that is our website address. Um, Probably the best way to reach us four zero four seven eight one five two eight one. Active in ministry here in Stone Mountain, Georgia, have been pastoring going on thirteen years. So that and our outreach and um, music, and and I'm in the entertainment business for about thirty five years. So we're here in the city of Atlanta working. Awesome, awesome! I got to come to ATL
0: man, and check you out. I'm, Atlanta's the second home. Anybody knows me, I love Atlanta. Attorney Pal, where can they connect with you? What are you doing?
2: I'm um, still practicing law, so you can get me at attorneypowell at yahoo.com. A T T O R N E Y P O W E L L, no punctuations. Powell at yahoo.com.
0: Awesome, Pastor Bradley. Look, they're hiring right now in Brooklyn, they're just giving the stuff away and they're skipping over a lot of qualified <laughs> individuals. If you want to be a chaplain, you just make that call. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Where can they connect with you?
3: Well, I do a Facebook live every Thursday morning at 11 a.m. on our Facebook page. You, of course, go to Scott, Scott A. Bradley. And uh, we do a teaching every week. We, we replay it uh, during the course of the week. We play it on various uh, uh, spots uh, on, on the Church of God in Christ website, on the I Belong to the Church of God in Christ website, uh, among others, Rivers of Life website. Uh, you can connect with me. Uh, at scottbradleyministries.vp that's v is in victor p is in paul vpweb.com that's my website you can see my writings my my books that i've done uh the, the cds and things that i've done uh, so again that's scottbradleyministries.vpweb.com god bless awesome
0: tony where can they connect with you man where are you doing
4: yeah um follow me on twitter at the tony gill uh t-h-e-t-o-n-y gil uh on twitter and on instagram you can follow all my stuff there we go back and forth we can talk for stuff and uh have a good time um also, also let me shout out my church philadelphia church of god in christ um you can follow that facebook page Uh, we stream every week all the time so shout out to uh philadelphia awesome look Connect with these individuals. These guys are doing amazing things. These guys are leaders
0: in their own right, leaders in the professional field, the media field, and the faith field. You have uh, three pastors on hand. Tony's an up-and-coming, rising uh, dude. I see him. You know, I call him the news, uh, Stephen A. Smith. I appreciate my guests so much. But until next time, guys, thanks. God bless. Thank you.